When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Coming up, it's the Devil's Puck Luck Game Podcast, where we break down a disappointing home loss on a back-to-back early in the season overtime shootout at the hands of the Yotes. Where did the Devils struggle early? What happened when it came to that mayhem of a second period? And what are the takeaways from a team still trying to find its rhythm early in the season? We dive in. Yes, my friends, it is DPL, the Devil's Puck Luck Podcast, where you know I am your host, Adam Armbrecht, breaking down not only the Brooklyn Nets and the Locked On Nets podcast, but also your New York football giants on the One Giant Podcast. Thanks for coming in and joining us here on the post-game podcast, second game of the season for the Devils. They are now one out of two in terms of getting W's across this 82-game season. Set at the top there, there's a lot of things we want to break down. Individual performances feels a little bit similar when we go back to that first game, which the Devils, of course, came back to win. But ultimately, a slow start for this team that really allows the Yotes to get a footing, get a two-goal lead at one point, and then kind of all the familiar nature of the top line and the dynamic playmaking and how they look on power plays for certain sequences, and then the lack of focus, a lack of attention to detail. So we're going to go ahead and cover the gamut. But obviously, just to cap off the way this one ended, it was Timo going in there for a kick save left pad on his penalty opportunity. Brat followed it up with a delay, pulls it across, kind of his signature move there, low pad, left save, and that was essentially it. Two goals quickly, Schmoltz capped this one off with a slow play, easy bucket against Schmid, who we will discuss here as well was phenomenal in the game, but unfortunately looked pretty susceptible there on the shootout. Hey, that's the nature of shootouts. We're not going to dwell too much on that part of it. We will dwell on the closing sequences, though, where Dougie Hamilton took a penalty and kind of talk from a high level here about the things that we saw. And I thought one way that we could go about doing this is first just looking inside the stats from this game and having a conversation around from period to period, what were the things that shifted as the Devils progressed through a game that they were, as we said, down 2-0 early in the second period and had a three-goal second period in order to give themselves that lead. So as we pull up the stats here, if you're watching over on YouTube, periods one, two, and three, right? And highlighting some key statistical categories. In that first period, similar to game number one, just not enough shots getting on net here. Jesper Bratt, he will be a talking point here when we listen to kind of the play-by-play reaction from the fan base 
to some players, specifically Jesper in this case. But you look inside the faceoff where we talked about not being strong enough there in game number one. In period one, 10 to three in favor of the New Jersey Devils. Really loved that. And then you wind all the way down to the takeaways. Despite having four giveaways in that first period, the Devils got five takeaways. The uh, Yotes did not have any in that first period. So you look at this and you say, well, you're down one nothing, but there is this path in which you can be successful. You just got to turn some things around here. You're winning some key categories. Flip it over into the second, the early goal from the Yotes. But then you go ahead and you look. They get back on even footing from a shots perspective. Here's the problem, though, the inconsistency from this team. They go ahead and give up. They only had, I mean, nine face-off wins, but you ended up having 17 face-off wins in that second period for the Yotes, pulling them into an actual advantage. And as you scan across, you see they ended up winning the face-off battle in this game overall, despite Mikey McLeod coming up in a couple of spots there and winning some key face-offs late in this game as he was inserted. We'll talk individual stats here along the way as well. The other number that we pointed out was the power play percentage. Now you get an absolutely chaotic second period. There are power plays all over the place. Three for the Yotes, four for the Devils, and the Devils convert two of those. So that, you know, you saw again, 40% on the power play. That's carrying over from camp, right? That's flipping what we saw in game number one and having success. And then likewise, dial it down. They picked up another couple of takeaways in that second period, but also mitigated the giveaways, mitigated the turnovers, just one turnover in that period. And that felt like you're trending in the right direction. Three goals. We'll dissect those in a minute here. But then again, so you, these things that we talk about, the theme of consistency for this team early in this season, when you turn it over the third period, the Devils end up winning the shot battle, but they lose the faceoff battle, as we mentioned. They lose the penalty battle as well, which, by the way, as we know, it was six apiece going to that third period. It ends up being 8-6. Devils taking two additional ones and putting the Yotes on power plays again. Tired legs are going to be a massive factor as you work your way through this and then get into overtime with even more tired legs. And then we also saw the block shots. This is something going back to the start of this one. Even in the first period, the Yotes were consistent throughout. And while you look at a category like that, and the Yotes had six in the second period and 16 overall for the Devils, 13. So you think, ah, six big blocks. But it's because you were scrambling a lot in those late game sequences. Siegenthaler, who goes down and makes a great block. And then unfortunately, the puff, puck drips out, drips out from underneath him, excuse me. And it's a backdoor goal there for the uh, Yotes to tie this one up late in the third period. So, you know, and you think about these things, and that's on a penalty kill, and that's off a bad penalty from Dougie Hamilton. And you just, you keep looking at these moments and saying consistency is the name of the game for this team, and they haven't found it yet. That that That's the high-level takeaway for me, that they have yet to find their stride when it comes to offensively, getting out in a rhythm early, not being tentative with the puck on their stick, and then defensively. Really, you know, when we go back again now and talk about individual lines inside of this game, we're going to look at the defensive pairings. Everyone except for Ball found their way into the penalty box. I mentioned the late bad penalty from Dougie Hamilton. Timo Meyer took a very lackadaisical slash penalty when he did not need to do it. Again, the, the timing of when you take these penalties as opposed to being a desperation moment. You had Marino find his way to the penalty twice. You had Smith go in there as well late in this one. Siegenthaler also hit the box. So when you talk about having five out of your six uh, defensemen find their way into the penalty box, 
Yeah, we already know this is an offensively driven team. And the guys that we're highlighting here, like Marino especially, well, you need to be in Siegenthaler to that extent as well. But you need to be anchoring this defense. And that one penalty for Smith, by the way, notwithstanding, I thought that he had an excellent game overall for himself. This has been two very strong games for him, certainly early in the season. So this is the problem, though, when we look at games like these, because individual performances, you can break down and say, yeah, had a nice moment here, did a good job on the boards over here, tracked back effectively, all of those things. And we're going to talk about the great sequences on the offensive end. But... When you find yourself trailing 2-0 and then having an explosive second period and not ultimately closing the door, I mean, credit where credit is due. When you look over the Yotes, especially in that third period, especially in that overtime, there's no way that you can't look over at Melka and say, hey, this guy who had 37 saves, uh, 37 shots, excuse me, 34 saves. Yes, he gave the three goals. Yes, the second period was a mess. But uh, much in like we talk about Schmid in this game, like we talked about VTech in the first game, there were opportunities when they flat out had to stand on their head. Akira Schmid faced 30, had 30 saves on 33 face shots, but he was phenomenal. This game could have been, remember, by the way, talked about it, um, VTech, I think it was Dougie Hamilton mentioned, this could have been four or five nothing game in game number one. Thankfully, VTech stood on his head. This game could have been three or four nothing. Maybe the Devils should have gotten a goal themselves earlier in this game, but this could have easily been more for the Yotes early as opposed to just being one nothing in the first, getting that early second goal in the second period, and then the Devils exploding. So consistency, attention to detail, disciplined hockey, those are going to be things that I think you're going to hear Lindy Ruff preaching, and you'll hear the players say it as well because they know that it wasn't good enough. Right, The performance in totality was not good enough for this team. Coming up here in a second, we're going to go ahead and look over at the, the positives because there were. And by and large, I, I, I don't get too down early in a season when we're talking about how a team performs. Now, the early way in which they approach games and their mentality and their intentional and intentionality around how they use the puck and how they play on both ends of the ice, that needs to ratchet up here. This team comes in a little bit too soft into these games and then has to dial themselves up. And ultimately, they lose this in a shootout. But if you think that you're going to play games like this against some of the upper echelon teams, you will find yourself down 4 nothing in a hurry. And while you are explosive and you are dynamic and you can score goals in a hurry, you really want to be able to play on the front skate. We said this coming into the year. When the Devils can play ahead, and they had the lead in this one, just to be clear, but when they can play ahead, when they can have a two-goal lead, 2 nothing, 3-1, that puts so much pressure on the opposition to take more risks, to advance more pucks, to try to pinch late, and in those instances, when you create those odd man rushes, that's when the Devils can feast. That's when they can get explosive. And that's when they can really start to put some points up on the board. So coming back the other way, we'll highlight the positives here from the offensive end. The combination at that top line has been absolutely phenomenal early in the season. And then we'll dissect lines two, lines three, the performance of Alexander Holtz. What do we want to see more of here from these players and from these combinations? And do we think Lindy Ruff could start to look at shuffling some things just to get a sample size, not as a reaction, but maybe trying to be proactive around wanting to get a look at different combinations. We'll dive into that coming up in a moment. All right, but first we're going to tell you about our friends over at DraftKings, and that is because you know that the NFL season has been going strong and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking up new customers with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week and you can score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings is not stopping there. All customers can also take advantage of a sweetener offer every single game day throughout October. You go over there right now. 
Big slate of games. I got to be honest with you, they are all a mess this week. Raiders, Patriots, Texans, Saints, Falcons, Commanders. I mean, how do you make heads or tails of it? The one thing I will make it, even being a Giants guy, listen, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take the Eagles laying six and a half on the road at the Jets. Tell me that Zach Wilson can do it. Prove it to me. Until he does, I say you go against the grain there. So minus six and a half for the Eagles, but they got everything over there. And you can get on that game day greatness by downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. New customers will score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet $5 on the NFL. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit www.100gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hills Casino Resort, licensee partner of Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void and our friends to the North Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. Okay, so continuing the conversation around what we saw from this game. It's a shootout loss. It's 4-3. Devils 1-0-1 now, and they will not play again until Monday night. So they'll have a couple of days here over the weekend to lick their wounds and think about the areas in which they want to improve. We mentioned the second period was absolute chaos there. Set it inside of the stat lines as well. When you have, what, seven combined penalties between the two teams, you have four on threes and three on threes and nine on sevens and two on eights. It was just, it really was a the kind of game where we, you know, I want to talk about how late in this, when Hamilton takes that penalty, they reflect back on there was a moment, could have been going the other way. I believe it's against Marino in the mid-ice. You think that there could have been a penalty called the other way. I don't dwell on those type of things. I, I never want to sit here and say, well, if the referee doesn't do X, then Y, because there's also a thousand other moments inside of the game that if the devils capitalize on X, if they play sounder defensive hockey, if they take advantage of their opportunities throughout this one earlier, it, you're not in a position where this one moment is going to dictate terms. So it's an absolute insane second period where we also saw inside of it, you had a uh, no check sagging on a low penalty a low penalty, which left uh, Jersey open for the power play goal. That's what kicked off in period two, the second goal for the Yotes and a two nothing lead, but very quickly back a two on one opportunity with Jesper Bratt and Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes finds him. And this is what we're talking about. So if you're watching the game live and you're on social platforms and you're interacting heavy and you're, you're, you're living moment to moment, the amount of anxiety getting created around Jesper Bratt, not pulling the trigger earlier in the game, it just to me was so unwarranted when then when you get to these moments, he pulls the trigger and yeah, guess what? He also pulls the trigger again and has a second goal in this game, just like we saw him have throughout camp. Now, don't get me wrong. When you're watching the early sequences in this one, you do see when he has lanes and he has path went to look it back over to Dougie Hamilton, which also, by the way, is what set up the second goal to tie this game, right? It was Brad to Hughes. Got it back up to Bratt over as Dougie Hamilton circled behind him, excuse me, from the left side coming back around to the right. You had Jack down below the line there, plays it up to Dougie, and you get that blast. And Dougie's been pulling the trigger, did the same thing in game number one. And one of the things that I'll just point out, as we were mentioning the stats earlier, 
don't forget that when you look inside of that and you see the five block shots in period one, the six block shots in period two, the five block shots in period three for the Yotes, there, there is a world and there is a reality when you're an offensive player and you see opportunities knocking. You also, by the way, know that you have Jack Hughes, know that you have Tyler Toffoli, know that you have other playmakers. So a part of it is, as we always talk about with Jack too, let the gravity of your play provide opportunities for others to have easy looks. So as you're getting good defensive work from the Yotes, as they're congesting the space in front of the goal, you do look at it and say, well, the extra pass can maybe create a little bit of a lane here and create some opportunities. Once he puts in Jesper, that first goal, that's when you start to now obviously shift the defensive mentality as well. So I just think those are the kind of ticky tack things that I'm not going to harp in on, at least not early in the season, because it only took a half a period, you know, 10 minutes of game time later, Jesper Bratt had done it twice. There was a heads up play here, by the way, as we were getting towards the end of the second period as well. We jumped into this mayhem period because it's just where so much happened and where the Devils obviously scored three goals. The Devils were on the four on the power play advantage and Luke Hughes, who I think has been playing very well defensively. Now, we haven't seen the same dynamic puck work on the offensive end just yet. And we saw something similar with him as we take a moment on young Luke. He looked to me strikingly like Jack did last year at times. He's at the edge of the offensive zone. He's trying to do a little bit too much with the puck on his stick, gets it turned over, and then takes the penalty. And it's those type of moments where rather than making the easy play, the smart play, the instinctive play, you're trying to do a little bit too much. Defensively, I actually think that he's done a nice job in these first two games, showing situational awareness, tracking back with consistency. And if we think about other players, other young players, offensively or otherwise, that need to show that consistency, I think Luke is paying really attention to that. Now, is that going to be a, a process to get that balance and that ebb and flow? Maybe it will be. But it was that heads-up play there in that late second period sequence that afforded to have the combination where to Foley, to Hughes, to Brat, there's the bucket. And when we talk about that top line, even though this is a loss, we come right back around and say, my goodness, this top line is dynamic. And to Foley continues to show why he's the player that the Devils went out and acquired this offseason. Because when you put those three players together, they all have dynamic different abilities to be effective scoring and putting shots on the net. So it just creates a real spacing problem for the opposition, and it paid off multiple times throughout it. Those sequences have been a thing of beauty. We want to see that time and time again, period after period, game after game. Now, the other one here, too, that I wanted to try to make a note of, we'll see if we backtrack going back into the first period as well, because there's a handful of things um, that happened early in this game that dictated why the Devils found themselves down and why the Devils were struggling to find their rhythm. Dougie Hamilton almost had, in addition to the penalty took late in this game, he had a near-costly defensive turnover early. It quickly became a turnover. It wasn't technically on him, but it became muddled in the neutral zone, the pressure, and it was Dumba that ended up having the easy wrister there. And we've seen the Devils struggle in those moments here. When things get a little bit chaotic, they do not get back to neutral in a hurry. There starts to be a bit of a scramble there. And the price that you're paying for having dynamic, offensively driven players is maybe these lapses in these moments where the premise is our goalies are hopefully going to dig us out. And I think the two-game sample size from each of our goaltenders tells us that they're capable of doing that. 
but then we're going to go ahead and advance and have those leads and be on the front skate and be forcing defenses to scramble against us, not the other way around. But it was a sluggish start. It was a sluggish start, just like it was in game number one. And even though we had in that first period a near equalizer from Hala, but it was followed up by a high stick penalty, and that gave the power play over to the Yotes to start this one. Marino was strong in the initial penalty kill as well. Halat was pestering on the shorthander, nearly had an opportunity there as well. We talk about Toffoli combining with Brat on the slot to Hamilton trailing. It was an excellent save for the Yotes. So there were these, there were these moments not consistent moments, but where you go, oh, right, shorthanded, penalty kill, offensive opportunities, little combinations that made you feel like, yes, we're seeing everything that this team can be. They're just not putting it all together. They're not putting it all together from shift to shift and from period to period. You can't sit here and be a team that lost the game 4-3 overtime on penalties and know that you only scored goals in one period. Three goals by NHL standards today is good enough, right? But should be more. It should be more, especially against the Yotes. And you know, I'll reference the same way that Danny and I talked about the Red Wings. They're an improved team, the Yotes. To what a level? We'll find out. But but teams around the league, especially early, and this was noted in the broadcast by Spalding and uh, Ken Danico. The Devils are now a marked team. They are a team that's getting the best from everyone right out of the gate this season. And the Devils are not playing their best hockey right out of the gate this season. And that's how you end up in these first couple of games like this. That's how you end up losing to the Coyotes, even though you feel like you are the better team and you are the better team and you will be the better team in the long term. Every team is going to get your best here. I go back and think about NBA wise. Golden State Warriors had this when they were on their 73 and nine season historic run that did not end in championship. But I was watching interviews with uh, Curry and with Draymond Green. They said, You go to Milwaukee before Milwaukee had Giannis. They're 23, 24 and 0. They break it. They give them their first loss of the season. And they're in the streets celebrating like they just won the championship because that's what it means to bust that up, to break up what is being touted as the best in the league, right? A team that's trying to go on a historic run. And I don't know if the Devils are going to have a historic run this season, but they were talked about this offseason. Coming off of that win in the playoffs against the Rangers, in spite of how they looked against the Canes, young team, powerful team, added more weapons, right? Like they're talked about with top five championship odds. So when you step onto the ice and they're a young team, when you're a young team and you have that type of of clout being attached to you, I think other teams look at you and say, okay, that means that you get our best look every single night. And you're going to see that type of pressure here early in the season for the Devils. I'm not concerned overall by it, by the way. I'm not concerned overall by it, but it is growing pains. And I think we maybe just need to need to allow that to happen here over the first, say, 10 games of this season. A couple other notes here um, that I thought were really good as well. Uh, Holtz, well, I mean, good and bad mixed bag, let's just say. Holtz played well, I thought, early. Had some opportunities, a little bit of a miscue on a shot that came his way. Um, but it had some nice sequences, and then he gets caught there on the face, the chin, on a skipping bounce of puck, and a bit of a fluke play as he's also getting bodied. So he goes down, he has to go get stitches. Now, this is where I think we'll close out at least this post game. Danny and I are going to come back in. We'll, we'll talk more about things inside of this game. There are sloppy, we talk about sloppy plays here, missed opportunities there. 
and really just a heck of a, def- a goaltending battle, really, I, I, for the most part of this game, right? So Holtz goes out and gets the stitches. He comes back. He's on the bench. But we haven't. One thing we haven't seen yet in these first two games, and this is maybe, I, I think, more than the clunky play. When, when we look at these two lines, so the top line there, as we said, with Toffoli, Jack Hughes, Jesper Brack, great, right? Chef's kiss going to be amazing. But that second line is still trying to find its rhythm. And we talked about it when you moved Holtz down. Now, Danny and I went back and forth on this and putting Holtz down to the third line. I'm fine. Not disputing it. It's okay to do that. But you spend a lot of time in the camp with him up there with Nico and with Timo. So now those guys are trying to find their rhythm a little bit. I don't think they're nearly as dynamic as they're going to be. I thought Palat played well in this game for stretches. I thought Noshek played well at stretches and then also had a couple of mistakes. I thought McLeod was doing some good things. But then you get Bastion. And he showed off some of the speed, showed off some of that pestering the final third behind the net. He gets elevated up. Now, the question here becomes, was that because Holtz had taken the puck to the face and had to go back? He rejoined the team on the bench. Or is this the beginning of Lindy Ruff just saying, hey, you had Bastion, had the little injury. He gets back into the mix. Lazar is the healthy scratch. Now you'll get Bastion on the fourth line tonight. Then due to circumstances, he gets elevated to the third line. Things are going to be fluid here, I think. I think things are going to be fluid. Lazar has looked good early in the season. That's great. Bastion has been here. So you kind of know what you're going to get from him. And you want even a little bit more from him. So what goes on here with Holtz is going to be fascinating. I don't think he's played great. I don't think he's played terrible. But I don't know what leash Lindy Ruff is going to give him. And in that regard, maybe Danny is, is correct in the thinking that it's less about whether or not Holtz is playing okay having his good and bad moments and more about that. What Lindy Ruff is not going to do is sit down the veteran and keep up the young guy, right? Or keep down the player that was up with you last year in, in Bastion and leave Holtz up there on that line. When you also have Lazar in the mix there, obviously on those pairings too. So it's interesting. And we saw Lazar go in when we had the absence there for the for the required face-offs when we think about um, Holland not being available. So then Lazar goes in and he takes over the center role. So like there are tweaks that can happen here for this team. At least for the moment, it looks like those top two lines, the top six are going to be set in stone. And we know that the defensive pairings are going to live as they are. Brendan Smith has has earned that role and cemented himself. So it's for it's for Miller to be a healthy scratch until otherwise proven. But there are going to be some tweaks going on here. And I'm just curious to see if Lindy Ruff and the Devils look at it as we haven't come out with the with the type of play we wanted to early. So that's thrown off what our game plan would be or how the style that we want to play. And then we've compounded some of those issues by committing lazy penalties, by not covering as well, and by not executing as efficiently as you could, right? So we'll keep an eye on those things. And as I mentioned, on Sunday morning, Danny and I are going to get together and we're just going to take a a bird's eye view around the league. What are some of the games that we've watched? So what are some of the players that have looked good? Are we being surprised by anyone, team and individual play across the NHL? And then we'll go ahead and kind of give our predictions. Now that we get a few games under our belt, where do we think every division is going to go? So it's going to be a little bit of a take a breath, right? Two games back to back, 1-0-1 some things to be frustrated by, some very exciting stuff that we think the Devils are going to build on and be very successful with this season. So we'll digest all of it, maybe over a cup of coffee. So join us on Sunday morning for that. 
You get us over on YouTube, obviously, where you uh, subscribe, you turn on the alerts, you share it with your friends, by the way. You know, Devils fans, let them know. We're talking Devils hockey. And then you also get over on Twitter at Adam Armbrecht, at Danny the Face, at NJ Devils PL, on TikTok, on Snapchat, on Instagram, on Facebook, at Devils Puck Luck. Until next time, let's get it together, boys. We'll be right back.